Hello and welcome to On Air with Sean McStay, the podcast where we talk about leadership, development, and learning to generate the skills and capabilities you need for the future of work. All right, and welcome to this week's episode of On Air with Sean McStay. Uh, this week, I am excited to have with me Eric Lee. Eric is a owner of multiple award-winning businesses. as uh, a business coach for creatives. He's also an architect, uh, founder, and managing partner with uh, the Victor Eric Group of companies. So, Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sean. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So, for people who maybe aren't familiar with you yet, uh, who's Eric Lee? Wow. <laughs> I think about all the hats that I wear. Well, I guess first and foremost, uh, I'm a father of two daughters. Love them. Um, uh, my wife, uh, we, are, we are constantly building our relationship, so can't forget to mention her. And really, that's the, the cornerstone of Eric Lee, right? And then it builds off from there. So I'm also a motorcyclist, super avid, love traveling. Uh, I've got a YouTube channel on that. But on the business career side, um, I'm a creative, I'm an entrepreneur, I've started three companies, and my latest one right now is more of a give back, uh, helping people, imparting my knowledge, right? When you get to a certain part of certain time in, in your life, you're into that mode where you just want to kind of share knowledge and uh, help others grow. So I think I kind of just ventured into that. Next year, I'm going to be 50, so uh, I really resonate with that. And oh, that's one of my new purposes in life now. Very nice. Yeah, knowing you as I do, definitely giving back and uh, sharing your knowledge is something you do well. And that's why I'm part of the reason I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Um, if we go back in time a little bit, I know there's a really interesting story about how you got into the creative space and became an architect in the first place. So tell me a little bit about how that happened. Yeah, um, I guess, you know, early on, um, I wanted to be a scientist, actually. That was one of the first things I wanted to do. I wanted to be an inventor. Um, and I didn't pursue that. Uh, I, I, I then thought I wanted to be a car designer. Didn't pursue that because in BC, there wasn't many avenues for, for you to learn car design. But what I did do was uh, get into a CAD contest, computer-aided drafting contest at the time. And I designed a car, of course, and I designed a house, both of which won awards. So I'm like, wow, hey, you know, usually when you're good at something, you go and continue pursuing that. So that's kind of where my career path went. And I ventured down that path. That was grade 10. And then um, in grade, I think, 12, uh, my family was about to design or well, was about to buy a lot to build a house. So I said, hey, mom, let me design it. And uh, she's a great mother. She's supportive in everything that I do. So she, yeah, sure, go for it. And that was my first design. Um, 18, 19, whatever I was. And, uh, you know, again, when you, you get good at something, you just continue that down that path and I've never looked back. Um, I guess I've been fortunate that way because I, uh, in, in my talking with friends and, and people and clients now, not everyone knows their purpose. And that's one thing I've always been very fortunate about is I've always known my purpose and I've always pursued that. And uh, it makes my life so much better in terms of living it, right? Um, so much more fulfilling. So yeah, that's a, that's a short version of that story. Fantastic. And so from there, you kind of parlayed into a pretty successful design and build firm. Um, what was it like growing that uh, kind of being relatively new in the industry? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know the way you put it sounds very simple, but it's not. So let, let, let me qualify that. Uh, yes, I start very early, and uh, for some people now looking back, like wow, like it's amazing. But really, it, it wasn't when I was starting up because if you think about it, eighteen, nineteen, my first house, and then I think I, I had my first client when I was twenty. And imagine going, and I looked really young. So imagine going to clients say, hey, I can design your house. I'm like, really, can you? And they're looking at you as if you're a 16 year old. So that was probably the toughest struggle uh, building my business early on is getting that credibility before I actually had anything. Like I had a project or two to point to to say I did it, but there's still that visual perception and then the optics of it that you have to overcome. Um, so that was one of the, the things. And as a designer and as a creative, uh, I was never taught business. Um, actually, on, on the design side, I was self-taught because I did the house. Then I went to school to learn architecture. And after architecture, I went into interior design as my first job. So I learned interior design. Um, so there was a lot of self-learning, which is, which is great looking back now, but it's a slow path, right? Um, you have to self-learn everything. And same with business. Uh, I had to self-learn a lot of stuff, made a lot of mistakes, um, paid dear prices for it. But now I have all this knowledge. And, and um, the thing about learning is it's so much more valuable when you learn it by the doing than reading a book. So I really kind of, those lessons are, are burned in my mind and, and in my brain. So I know how to, uh, you know, what, where that path leads. So now I'm, I'm a better advisor for that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I, and I appreciate you sharing that. I think that it's easy to look at people who are successful, um, you know, who are maybe ahead of us where we want to go and, and say, oh, geez, you know, look how good they are. How can I ever get there? And, and maybe it looked like it was easy to get there. But, you know, there's a lot of 20 uh, year overnight successes uh, where you know, it's, it's, people don't pay attention to what is behind uh, where you took to get you where you are. Um, so th- yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um, so from there, you've, you've also started another business, uh, which is what you're working on a lot now right now that I see online a lot, which is called Starfish Consulting. So what is Starfish Consulting? Yeah, for sure. Um, so Starfish was, well, let, let me backtrack a little bit. So with my other three companies, they're more traditional companies. One's in design, custom home design, construction, and then development. And as I got good at building businesses, it became easier and easier. Uh, I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. I only had like one real job. So I love entrepreneur. I, I love working with people. I was a mentor at BCIT for five years, uh, helping entrepreneurial students. So that part I discovered that I really like working and coaching people. Um, so a few years back, I got to a point in my career where I'm like, okay, what do I do next? Like I built successful companies, I've won awards, and I felt, okay, my next thing is a bit of that giving back, a bit of that sharing knowledge. And I saw a gap in, in our industry, uh, which is design construction, is that creative people are not good at business just because of how, how the brain works. And uh, like I said, in design school, they never taught you business. So I felt there's this underserved gap out there, which I wanted to fill. So with my left brain, right brain um, abilities, and also my business experience, I felt, well, if I can help fellow creatives uh, find success in business, then their talent gets that light of day, you know, and that's just so much better. So that's why Starfish Coaching was, was born, is I wanted to, to help create small businesses, 
do that and be successful in business. Um, and now my, my most recent uh, sub-brand of Starfish Coaching is Designers Business Academy. And the reason for that is with Starfish Coaching, one-to-one -one coaching is great. Uh, it's tailored to that company's specific situation and issue, but it's not accessible for everyone, like a startup, right, where cash is tight and, and revenue is, is non-existent pretty much for the first two years. Um, that's why I launched Designers Business Academy, and I want it to be very specific. I want, I'm serving designers, so that's interior designers, house designers, graphic designers. I'm putting out online courses, and that's my, you know, the academy part of it is my online platform, online school, to put out those courses so that my knowledge is still accessible at a uh, accessible price point, right, for the startups. And that's the idea with business, uh, Designers Business Academy. Great. Yeah, no, I think that's really important. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, people that are just starting out that, like you said, to get, you know, proper consulting and coaching from someone like yourself, maybe that's out of the price range, but if they have access to some of the knowledge, they can work up to it, build their business, and then be able to move into it. So that's a great idea. Um, some of the people that you're working with, are there any common themes you see amongst uh, creatives on, on the coaching side that you're, you know, regularly running into and helping them with? Yes. Um Definitely common themes. There's so many I'm trying to filter out. But in terms of creatives, I would say one of the common traps that creative people and actually tradespeople, healthcare practitioners, most people get into this. They don't like working for someone, whether it's a bad boss experience or whatever. And they think because they're good at what they're doing, they figure, well, if I go and open a company, that's great. I get to do what I love and I'll make money. That's the biggest trap is you know, if I'm a designer and I feel I'm a good designer and I'm good at it, great, I'll go and open it. But what you'll quickly find out as a entrepreneur and business owner is the time that you need to build your business is much more than the time that you do doing what you love, which is design. And because you were never taught business, you have to learn that very quickly. You have to get some mentorship, some coaching, some whatever, however you get the knowledge, learn that quickly because the trap you'll fall into is a lot of people open a business because they want to do what they love, but they get trapped and hooked and anchored to it because now they're dealing with all the business stresses that they have no skill and no abilities to, and they never grow past that. So here, what they've done is they basically bought themselves a very expensive job. Okay, it's just how I like to always describe it because having a business is expensive in terms of risk. There's much more risk. If you're happy just being a designer and don't want to ever grow your business to success, my tip is just go and work for someone. There's no risk there. You clock in, clock out, you get a paycheck and that's done and you do what you love. If you're really about building a business, then learn about business very quickly and get past this kind of dip that everyone goes through uh, is the kind of no revenue dip and get yourself to the other side of the hump. Otherwise, you're just gonna be miserable with your job because you're not doing what you love as a designer, you're doing what you hate as a business owner. Now, that's one of the common things that I've seen. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Um, another issue that startups and, and small business owners run into is, you know, when is it time to bring somebody on and how do I figure out who the right person is to maybe maybe fill some of those gaps in knowledge that they don't have or maybe take some right. stuff off of their plate? How, how did you navigate through that in your businesses and what kind of advice do you give small business owners about, you know, bringing people on board as employees? 
Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I think on both sides, when you bring on an employee and when you, when you bring on a coach and expert, and I, I can talk about both because thinking back of how I started, I started from my home office uh, as a designer and, you know, then I kind of wrote my, my girlfriend, wife now, girlfriend at the time into helping me. And I just got so much business. I said, okay, I, I got to go out on my own and, and have staff. So it wasn't planned for sure. Like I said, I, I, I didn't have an MBA or anything like that. So I, I never planned that. It was just organic growth. And it's more like just dealing with the fires. So I went out, took on staff and just continued to grow it. Now in taking on staff, what I discovered was my love for leadership development. Uh, I've always been a sponge. I love knowledge and I love personal growth and development. And I grew myself as a leader before my company can grow because I'm the cap there. But by doing that, I really like developing people. Um, so that's kind of why I guess my, my company veered that way. And, and I, that's one of the strong things I do right now with Starfish Coaching is leadership development. So that's on that side. And a tip whether, like when to know to bring on staff or not, I think it's, it's I think the fear is always, okay, if I bring on staff, I can, can I get enough work to pay them? So yes, that's a real fear. Um, you have to kind of plan out and project your work. But the other side of it, though, is if you never take that leap of faith, you're always holding yourself back, right? Like if you're always throttling it back, you don't go and push sales. So that work never comes. So it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, I guess the best tip for a growing or startup would be bring on a part-time staffer so that you're not committed to the full-time salary. Uh, bring on a contractor, bring on a staff. There's many strategies to to throttle that until you get really busy, then you can have a full-time staff. That would be my advice. On the expert side, and I want to talk about this because I, I see that so much and with my journey too, um, I didn't know business and I was thinking, okay, well, I really need help. Like in the beginning, it, it's, it's lonely as a business owner, right? You can't turn to your staff. Uh, you, you can't turn to a colleague or another designer because it feels like competition. I didn't have anyone to turn to. So if I had a mentor, if I had a coach, that'd be a different story. And I needed knowledge. I didn't have that knowledge. So I, I, I would have loved if I had someone that's specific in my industry to help me. Um, how I found help was through books. I had some mentors along the way. They, they, well, I guess I had some mentors that were good, but they weren't specific to industry. I did go specific to business people and they weren't, I, I wouldn't say they, they were the best coaches um, for business, but I got what I got out of it and I continued on. Um, so my tip here on the expert side is if you're looking for someone to help you and you're in that situation as a business owner, needing knowledge, needing someone to talk to, needing someone to bounce ideas off, look at the coach's background. Uh, first of all, you gotta connect with them on a personal level, of course, because you're working with confidential stuff that you're sharing. See if he or she has the background in your industry, has the knowledge, have done it before. One thing that I found surprising when I uh, talked to my coaching clients is that a lot of the other business coaches that they've talked to don't own another business except for the one that they're, they're running for their coaching service. I'm like, wow, that's like, I'm just so amazed. Um, you would think that as a business coach, you should be owning a few businesses or have built a few to be able to advise on. Um, so that's one thing to check. But I would say get help as soon as you can because you don't know what you don't know. 
if you can buy the knowledge, you're shortcut uh, to your success, right? You're shortcutting that path. So that's my first tip. The fear is always, well, I don't have enough money to bring on that expert. But if you think about like any professionals, if you try to do it yourself and you're not good at it, you're actually paying the price for it. I know a lot of startups do their own bookkeeping or, you know, do stuff that's not within their realm. And they'll take three to five times longer than as if they paid a bookkeeper to do it. So assign a dollar amount for your time and use that time in your expertise. You'll do a lot more efficiently. And if you use that time in an area that you're not, you're going to be much slower. Same thing with coaching, right? That's not your area of expertise. Pay someone to do it as soon as you can have the revenue to do that. That would be my tip. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I think there's a lot of value in that. I think that, you know, you look at um, things like accounting, like you'd mentioned, uh, legal uh, questions, you know, a lot of these things that startup founders will spend a ton of time researching and trying to figure out on their own. Um, and they spend so much more time time money uh, than they would have if they had just hired a professional. And I think leadership and, and management needs to be looked at the same way. Um, you know, if you don't know about it yet, you need to learn and definitely hiring an expert is a good way to do that. Um, looking at, you know, kind of success and what you what you need to do to be successful. You had a series on social media recently called uh, your four keys to success. Um, what are the four keys? And maybe you can talk about them just a little bit. Sure. Um these are, I guess these are things that I've just discovered along the way, but uh, it's nuggets that I, I like to share. Um, I'm, I'm trying to recall, but uh, I'll, I might even give you more than four because there's so many. When, when I think about success, there's, there's so many things that come up. But uh, there's uh, self-esteem. Uh, that's one of the, the key things. And I'll try to keep it short because it's a whole series, so it's very tough. But self-esteem is, is one of the things that you build up along the way. And you can't do that until you kind of start and do it. Like some people are worried, for instance, starting up, right? If you're thinking about starting up your own business and, and you're, you're just like always trepidatious, if you jump in the deep end, you're going to build self-esteem. It's like uh, a, the example I give is like a child walking. If you never allow a child to furniture walk and then fall and crawl again and furniture walk, they never build up that self-esteem to eventually walk themselves. If you're always carrying them, they never get that practice. So in a way, jumping in and learning, that's the best way of, of, of learning is doing. That's one of, of the key things is build up your self-esteem and build it up quick, right? The other term that I like to use is uh, fail fast, learn fast. Um, you're going to fail regardless. So don't be worried about failing. Just learn from every failure and learn fast. And that's the quickest way to success. So yeah. the, one of the key things that I gave in that series was what I came up with was just a formula for success, which is knowledge plus technique plus desire equals success. A lot of people think that they'll go and read something and they get really good at it and that's success. But that's, not, that's useless until you apply and get good at that skill. It's like reading a book about tennis. You, can, you won't be the best tennis star until you go on the court and hit the ball. So that's then developing your technique. Now, the missing piece to a lot of this that a lot of people don't understand is that desire. Uh, and in my video, if you watch that, I talk about that. I'll, I'll give it away a little bit, but desire is the biggest key to that. No matter if you have knowledge, you have technique, if you don't have desire, no success will follow. 
right? So it's like I'm training you how to play tennis. You've read the book. You've gone and hit the the uh, ball on the court, but if you never feel like playing tennis, how would you ever be successful? Those Olympic players, you know, and and the um, uh, people competing on that level, it's this deep desire, deep connection for wanting that gold that gets them to success. And you know, that would be probably the biggest key uh, that that I I would give. I think the other two was commitment and connection to why. Um, but I, I won't go into that because I can just dive right in. But I would say yeah. the point here is that formula for success. Fantastic. Um, another thing you talk about a lot is goal setting, and I think that's critical for whether you're a business owner or not. Everyone should be doing goal setting. Um, how do you approach goal setting uh, yourself and with your clients? Yeah, goal setting is um, one of the things I love to do. Like, I guess it's just my personality. I'm always about next steps. I'm, I'm a huge planner. As creative as I am, I'm very logical and I, I think uh, linearly. So it's always, okay, what's that next step? So for me, I guess the key to goal planning, uh, which I teach in, in my goals lab, it's a group goals coaching program, is plan out your work. So you got this goal, plan it out. Don't worry about uh, how to get there. People, people get bombarded and get overwhelmed by, oh, how do I even get this big goal? Don't worry about that. Plan it out, chunk it down. So example I give is if you're climbing Mount Everest, we're not going to keep on looking at the top there and get overwhelmed. Instead, climb a small mountain, do grouse grind, and then do you know another mountain and just work your way up. Or even if you're physically climbing it, don't look at the ridge. Look at that next, uh, next rest stop and plan and go for that. So chunk it down, plan out your work, put very specific measurements on it, dates, times for this mini goal. Once you get to that mini goal, then work on the next one. And then just keep on focus on the step ahead. If you plan it well, those steps ahead will lead you to that big apex, that big goal. Um, so that will be one of it. So plan your work and then just work the plan. It's By then, it's like paint by numbers. So that would be my kind of short tip for uh, goal setting and, and goal achievement. Fantastic. Well, segueing from that nicely, what are your goals for the next five years for yourself, for Starfish? What are you looking to achieve? Yeah, uh, a personal goal I made was uh, I would be, I, I don't want to use the word retired, but I, I want to have a choice to not have to work when I'm 50. So that's actually next year. I'm actually on track for that. Thank God, amazingly. COVID might throw a wrench on it because my goal was to travel around the world on my motorbike when I'm 50. Depending if the world opens up or not, I may push it back a year. But regardless, because I put that line in the sand, and that's, that's another thing I, I teach in my four key successes, that commitment. Because I made that commitment, I set up my entire life ready for that. So my three companies that have teams, I've set up teams to run that. If I need to be away for six months, no problem. I'm ready for that. Um, Starfish coaching is uh, something that I can do borderless online. So that's easy. Um, so yeah, that's my immediate goal is to travel the world. Uh, and then to transition my companies to a point where I can choose to work if I want to or not. And the great thing about Starfish Coaching is it's really a passion project. I love the clients that I'm helping with. I'm very selective with who I work with. Um, and it's, if you're at that point, it's no longer work. It's, 
it's just loving what you do and you're purposeful and passionate about it. You know, that's something I've always uh, preach and teach is go for your passion, go for your purpose, because then there's no stress in your life. It just feels like you're helping someone. Uh, my clients always ask me, like, you work on Saturdays, you take calls, like, how do you keep that up? And my answer is simple. It's, it's not work for me. There's no, there's no borders between, there's no boundaries between work and personal life because I love what I do. So that would be my main message is find something that you love, that you're good at, and you'll be in your zone of genius and you'll love your life. That's really the key. Yeah, that's fantastic. And that actually answers the one of my last two questions. I always ask two questions at the end. One is, uh, if you could pick one thing for somebody to take away from this interview, what would it be? But, you know, stay in your zone of passion and genius, I think is not much better of a, a pick than that. Uh, my last question I always ask is a personal interest question for me. I read and collect a lot of books. Uh, so if you were to recommend a book right now, personal or professional, which one would it be? Yeah, there's, uh, there's so many books. Uh, I, I learned a lot from books. I think it depends what you're looking for. Um, if it's about team development, the classic I always go to and I train with is The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Um, a lot of people know about that book. If you don't, definitely read it. Patrick Lencioni, easy read. Uh, I love his books because he writes it as a fable. But uh, he talks about this kind of pyramid structure of, of the five levels to build team. So there's a lot of good learnings there. Another one that I would read in general is, um, actually there's one that's really good to help you filter out the noise in your life. And that's Who's in Your Room by Ivan Meisner. And uh, the summary of the book is basically, there's a lot of noise that we have in our life, whether it's time commitments or even people who aren't healthy for our growth. And he talks about that book uh, on how to help you filter that out. You know, um, the, the great analogy that he does with that book is imagine if you had a room and there's only one door to go in, who would you let into that room? Because they are never coming out. You're stuck with them for a while. So if you think of it from that perspective, you get very selective with who you spend your time with and what you spend your time doing. So I think that's a very important thing for both personal and business uh, people alike. Yeah, that's fantastic. I actually haven't heard of the second one, so I'm going to check that out for sure. Uh, well, Eric, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today. For everyone listening and watching, I'll put links down below to all of Eric's companies as well as his social media. Shares a lot of interesting tips on there, so make sure you follow along. And uh, with that, Eric, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sean. It was great being on here with you. All right. Thanks for listening to On Air with Sean McStay. If you have any questions for the guests, contact me on social media or reach out on my website, www.onairwithshawnmcstay.com. Have a great rest of your day.